Ryan, we just had what I want to call an OG episode because we interviewed someone that I believe is going to be extremely massive and he's already gaining a lot of popularity, but great interview. Definitely one of my favorite prospects in boxing. Just joined the show, Richard Torres Jr., one of your favorites as well. Top rank heavyweight. He will be fighting on the March 25th card on ESPN. Jose Ramirez, Richard Comey, Sinisa Estrada is also on that card. Richard Torres Jr. will be on the main card, and we're going to see him uh, potentially improve to 6-0, potentially with six knockouts. Uh, he was great, gave us a bunch of time, a lot of fun anecdotes. Uh, Semi kind of called out one other uh, heavyweight who may or may not be a champion right now, but very fun interview with Richard Torres Jr. Chantel, um, definitely one of my favorites. And uh, what the mandatory is in terms of when we do interviews and when we're when we when we're not doing as much analysis, this is what we want the show to be. What you're about to hear uh, our conversation with Richard Torres Jr. <laughs> Hey, what's up? Welcome back to The Mandatory. Shout out to Fansided and Fight Hype. We got a very special guest rocking with us today. One of Top Rank's most exciting prospects. He won a bronze medal at the 2019 Pan American Games at Super Heavyweight. Also won the silver at the 2020 Olympics. And he comes from a boxing family. He's one of the most exciting guys. And I think if anyone went out with him, they'd kind of be like, hey, I want to get a beer with this guy. It's none <laughs> other than Richard Torres. Richard, thanks so much for joining us today. We're really happy to have you. Hey, it's glad I'm glad to be here. So thank you for having me. So what have you been up to lately? We want to kind of catch up with you before we get into everything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just been training. Also, oh yeah, I've just been training hard, guys. You know, like uh, we've had this March 25th fight, and it's a Fresno fight, so I'm super excited about it. Um, and just slowly starting to make ways towards uh, towards being the best Richard Torres I can be. You know, um, and. It's, it's kind of hard balancing that boxing act with the whole, like, uh, business side, too. Like, so on top of the training stuff, I'm trying to get these T-shirts out, too. I'm trying to get some of the merchandise out. And uh, kind of finding my, uh, find my way through that type of uh, route is pretty cool. So I'm learning about dropshipping and stuff like that. It's kind of fun. Well, definitely let us know about the merch as well so we can drop it in the link and make sure people go cop it. What's been the process for that? Like, have you figured out, like, how you want your tees? Like, do you want your face on it? Like, what's <laughs> been the process that you've been trying to figure out for that? Yeah, I mean, I know definitely that I want it to be, like, more of a Team Taurus type thing. <clears throat> I, I see a lot of people having fight shirts, and I love fight shirts, but I, I want people to be a part of the process and part of the journey. You know, I, and I think uh, one way we do that is – not just having come out support Richard Torres, but be a part of the team. And so I wanted to be team Torres, uh, and we'll kind of go from there. What the the shirt looks like and how the logos go, I'm not too sure yet. Uh, but that will be coming pretty soon as well. Nice. This this is something I've been dying to ask you actually, because seeing having seen you fight on TV a few times now, I, just a couple of things. One, your background, uh, and the last name Torres with a Z is not something that's super common. Also. And as a Latino, I'm Puerto Rican. As a Latino, I just wanted to know, like, your background. Uh, where does that come from? How much of your history do you know and things of that nature, where your family uh, origins are? Yeah, so my uh, my great-grandparents actually moved here from uh, Mexico. Uh, my great-grandma was from uh, Fresno, and then my uh, my great-grandpa was from uh, Durango, Durango. And, uh, and uh, I... I wasn't able to meet them or anything like that, but they, they came to California, they settled around Tulare and they started farming. 
And so I'm, I come from a farming background as well. And uh, Central Valley, born and raised, my grandpa started boxing. Uh, and then he taught that to my dad. My dad was fourth and fifth in the world in the amateur divisions in two different weight classes. Wow. And uh, then they all kind of instilled that, that driving goal in me uh, as a boxer as well. I, I remember growing up, seeing my dad go out and train, and I wanted to be just like him, you know? So uh, I, I always try to follow in his footsteps. And um, the, the dream was always at Olympics, you know? And so I was able to kind of accomplish that dream for us. And uh, now we're moving towards the pros. Uh, this is kind of like uncharted waters for all of us. And it's it's pretty cool to be a part of it. But I'm really glad to have my dad. Uh, and I hope my grandparents looking down on me. Um, but they're, they're watching over it. So Did anyone in your family uh, try to get you to represent Mexico for the Olympics or in your amateur career at all? I, I had a couple people that were like, you know, you could do this. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. And like, I'm I'm very proud of my Mexican heritage, you know, but. I, I, I live in the USA and that was, that's what I wanted to represent, you know, being able to show like in all my dreams and all and everything I look back on when I was eight years old, I said I, I wanted to represent the United States for it. And I was able to accomplish that dream too. So I, I'm, I'm thankful for that. But uh, I saw the Mexican blood running through me, man, you know, and I, and I, <laughs> I feel like I take that into my style. You know, I have, I have a, a very kind of active style and a, and a, and a, a aggressive style. And I, I like to thank my Mexican heritage for that. Now, you kind of mentioned something really interesting because you talked about your dad and how the Olympics was the dream. He actually reached the quarterfinals, if I'm not mistaken, in the 84 Olympics for the trials, right? So was there any advice he gave you while you were going through the Olympics during that time? Yeah, he used to tell me all the time growing up that uh, his biggest mistake was he ducked instead of dodged. <laughs> because he got dropped in the, in the, in the final, I mean, in the, in the quarterfinals. So he's like, I should just, I should have slipped instead of, instead of going under, you know? Uh, and kind of joked about that. But my dad used to always just, he's my omniscient. You know, every everything I, I look at, if my dad tells me to drop my hands and quack like a duck, I really will do that. You know, like, <laughs> if there's anything that goes on in the ring, I, I look for my dad for advice. And so he's just one of the, the, the I feel like he's a cheat code, you know. And uh, and so, yeah, growing up, he, that's, that's all we talked about is boxing. I mean, every day, Monday, Thursday from 6 to 8, we'd be in that gym. Um, all my family's educators too. My dad's a, um, a vice principal at my local high school. My mom's a teacher. My sister's even a teacher now. And uh, so they, they instilled education in me from an early age, but also boxing. So every day after school, I go to boxing. And uh, that's kind of where me and my dad create those ties. And I feel like now, now it creates friendship too. Yeah. And, you know, that's kind of interesting because you talked about how everyone in your family, their educators, were any of them ever like, hey, Richard, you, you don't really have to do it. This boxing thing, you know, we love it as a family, but but you don't have to do it. Did anyone kind of go through that with you? See, it was actually the other way around. I had to box until I was 16. That was, it was a must. There, there was no other way around it. And it was because my dad said that it was going to it was going to bring on values, you know, values that were I didn't just get inside the ring, but outside the ring. I do feel like I really I learned some some core values from discipline, prolonged gratification and things like that. But um, afterwards, it wasn't really my family telling me I don't have the box. It was everybody that in, in my school. I was valedictorian. I was on the chess club. Uh, I was on a robotics team. I played uh, three different sports in high school. It was like, Richard, why, why do you box? You should go to college. You should do this, yada, yada. And I was like, boxing is all I know. You know, boxing, I've done it every day since since four. You know, like I've always been in the gym. I've always been doing this. There's, there was that was my normal, you know, so I didn't understand that there was anything different. And uh, finally, one day, like 
it came to my my senior year graduation. I look at my dad. I was like, "Hey, pops, everyone's getting these scholarships. Everyone's doing this, doing that." I was like, "I'm I'm kind of stuck right now. Is there like what what do we do?" You know, my dad said, "Just let 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 it let the process happen." And uh, lo and behold, a month after I graduated high school, the Olympic Training Center called me and they asked if I wanted to live at the Olympic Training Center. I think I'd be like one of the first residents since Deontay Wilder. Like they were bringing back the residency program with me, mm. and uh, and it was it was awesome. You know, it was kind of like a dream come true, and when my parents were so set on me telling me to go to college, they're like, this is going to be the best time of your life. Please go to college. Um, as soon as I got accepted to the training center, they're like, oh, you can always go back to college. So, so they, they've always helped me follow my dreams. That must have been weird for your classmates that the, the valedictorian of the class was out here like beating people's asses <laughs> at all these amateur tournaments. <laughs> yeah, no, it was fun though, man. And like, I was always kind of a, a chill guy in high school, you know, I was, I would try to be really friendly. Uh, and I, I don't try to go out and pick fights, you know, like I'm, yeah. I'm not that guy. I, I like, I, I like to keep my boxing and boxing and I don't want to pick a fight outside the ring. Cause I don't know what someone's going to bring out, you know? Yeah. And you also mentioned that you were a three sport athlete just before we get into like the, the real nerdy boxing stuff, which we're about to, uh, what were the three sports you played and how good were you at each of these? I played football, basketball, and track. And so um, football, it was a sport that I almost got scholarship in. I was a fullback. I was a middle linebacker. I was a long snapper. We had a smaller <laughs> school. So uh, I was, I played everything. I played, I was on every single special teams. I, I, I did, I did it all. Um, and I was, I was good in the fourth quarter. You know, I wouldn't say I was, I was that good. <laughs> I was conditioned, you know, yeah. and uh, in basketball, basketball is kind of like my fun sport. Um, the only thing I knew how to do really well was get rebounds. I couldn't shoot to save my life. But <laughs> <laughs> And you then, had a role. You had a role. That's that's what's yeah, important. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Dennis Robin type thing, you know? Yeah. And then uh, um, in track, I did shot put discus in the two mile. And it was kind of oh, a wow. weird mix. But um, but everyone kind of likes seeing a big man run two miles, too. And I've always been kind of quick because of boxing. My mom used to run marathons growing up. So I was always in, in the running scene, too. And uh, and so I wasn't the best at any of those. But I was a captain on all of them. Hmm. Wow. It's I always wanted to try shot put, but I'm not that I'm not quite that strong. I was good at long jump though, but not not quite really? shot put. <laughs> I, there, there's some of these this one dude from uh, Buchanan. I don't know if it's like a really renowned uh, school for from the Central Valley, mm. and uh, he was a he was the smallest dude I've ever seen. He was, must have been like a buck twenty, you know. But he beat every single shot putter out there just from his form. It was yeah. insane. It was incredible. But yeah, I was kind of mad that he he smoked me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You kind of mentioned, you know, how you're growing up, you always like had this love for boxing and it was your dream, obviously, to go the, to the Olympics and you fulfilled that dream. Like, where was that moment where you realized, hey, this is really going to happen for me? You know, you 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 always have that goal in mind and then. Then it just kind of happens, you know, kind of like like when I was getting my social media up, like I didn't, I just kept posting every day. And all of a sudden I got like a hundred thousand followers. And I was like, I don't like where this come from. And it's kind of the same thing in boxing, you know, like I had this goal in mind and I was set and I was so focused. My nose was so to the grindstone. I think when I finally looked up and saw what what was happening, I was, uh, I was able to call my dad. It was COVID time still. So we weren't, my dad wasn't able to be with me and we were at the Chula Vista training center. And, um, and in COVID, whenever someone says something set, it's never really set, right? And so, so they're like, "Oh, you you qualify for Olympics," 
And like me and Tiger, like, yeah, whatever we know, but we don't know if the limit is going to happen. And then finally coach Billy, he came into the office and he said, you guys are going to the Olympics. And I was able to leave there and I was able to call my dad and say, pops, we did it. We're going to the Olympics. And that was incredible. You know, that was the first time it kind of hit like, wow, we're going to the Olympics. And the first time I actually felt like a true Olympian was after the first win. You know, I feel like when you go into that Olympics, I, like everyone's really nervous about losing that first fight because then it's like, oh, was I really supposed to be there? Was I not? But then once we all won that first time, it was like, no, this team's an Olympic team, you know? And the, and correct me if I'm wrong, but in the final, the guy you lost to, Jalalov, right? He was mm-hmm. already a pro at that point. So did that yeah. give you like a confidence boost? Because I think at the time he was 8-0 and and obviously he's still a pro now. He's one of the better prospects in that division. You may have to see him as a pro at some point. But, like, you didn't lose to another amateur fighter. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, so the guy in the semifinals from Kazakhstan was a professional, and the guy in Jalalov was also a pro. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I, I think that does give me a little boost going in the pros. But, um, I mean, in the amateur, I mean, in the Olympics, it was I was just wanting to fight whoever I wanted, whoever was there. You know, I wanted to be the best there was. You know, right. so I, I didn't really – it didn't matter to me if they're a pro or amateur or anything like that. I was going out to accomplish a goal, you know, and we fell short and it is kind of a bittersweet moment for me just because we, we came that close, you know. Um, but I think that really drives me to, to become a better boxer and really and to still prove something. You know, I saw something to prove to myself and I feel like I saw something to prove for my town. You know, you kind of went through a little bit of adversity, but not really because you you won silver. Right. So I go back to like every time I watch a feature on you or something like that, when I'm watching top rank, it's always like, here's Richard Kiki Torres. He's not the typical heavyweight that you usually see, but it's like you won silver at the Olympics. (laughs) How are you not like the typical heavyweight? So when they say that about you, like what comes to mind? Believe me, I've said it too. Like I, I try uh, I try to explain that in interviews as well. It's like guys, like everyone tells me, oh, you're you're a short heavyweight. Oh, you're not supposed to be heavyweight. Oh, go down. What are you even doing? You're not right. I I, I did something in the Olympics, guys. You know, it's like I, I was there for a little. I, you know, I was I got a silver medal in the Olympics as a super heavyweight. The last person to do that was in 1988. It was Riddick Bo. Like <laughs> guys, like uh, like like give me a little credit, but. I also understand it because everyone says that the pro game as opposed to the amateur game is different. Mm-hmm. And while it's the same type of feeling, I understand the differences a little bit more now. And I understand that there is something to prove in the pro game. And so for that to happen now, I tell them, look, I've only had five fights. Give me time to prove myself. All right. And I will, you know, so let me, let me build, let me show you that I can do this and I will show you. Sorry. I go ahead, Brian, go ahead. No, I was going to say, you're also at the point, Richard, in your career where you're probably getting a lot of calls to spar mm-hmm. other heavyweights. You may or may not be. Um, and also just like you're you might be in a lot of different training camps because you're early in your career, whatever the case may be. What have some of those pro experiences been for you? Like whose camps have you been in? Who have you potentially sparred with? And who are some of the guys that you've matched up with that, you know, you may have to see down the line at some point as you're progressing through your career? Yeah. So, I mean, like getting ready for the Olympics, I was sparring with like Jared. Because he, he was a stable mate of mine at, at the team. Jared USA. Anderson? Yeah, Jared Anderson. Yeah. And then uh, I've sparred with guys like F.A. I've sparred with a couple of the, the um, fellow Olympic guys that were uh, like a, a, a gentleman from Romania um, and some, some other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, I mean, it's slowed down a little bit, especially when you get up higher. Like the guys going 12 rounds, they, they slow down a lot more, you know, and – I think 
well, I'm a firm believer that I'm the most conditioned heavyweight in, in boxing today. You know, that's something I pride myself on. You know, like I, I don't think I'm the strongest. I don't think I'm, I might not be the fastest either, but I, I will be the most conditioned. You know, the things that I can't control, I will control. And uh, I think that pays dividends in the shows in my sparring sessions. You can see the guys getting tired in, in the in the mid rounds and people question my my uh, my conditioning already because I've only been one to two rounds. You know, I haven't gone the full six even. And I want to tell them that, like, if if you can't last two rounds with me, there's no way you can last six. You know, I, I continue and I keep that pace. And I would really love to show people that I can keep that pace. And I will one day. But um, if the fights keep going as they're going, I'm not going to wait. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to be cautious. I don't want to play with any of these fighters. I mean, they're, everyone's a heavyweight and they have a heavyweight punch. Uh, so if I see the opportunity, I'm going to take the opportunity and, and get the knockout. But uh, yeah, I, I think one of the big things that, that heavyweights have shown me is that I am very conditioned. You mentioned uh, Jared Big Baby Anderson. So this was actually one of my questions. You mentioned that you sparred with him. Now, the way that they're pushing Big Baby, they're pushing him real hard. But eventually, you guys will probably have to meet at some time and fight. Politics and stuff don't go out the way and things go as planned, of course. Um, you know, so how did that sparring session with Jared Anderson go for you? So Jared and I are friends. Like we grew up in the same, we went to junior world championships together. We've been on the team USA together. I know him very, I know him pretty well. And he knows me as well. You know, we, in our sparring sessions, our sparring sessions are like pay-per-view fights. If I'm telling you, if I'm being honest with you, people at the Olympic training center, when we used to spar, like they'd be sparring and they'd stop just to watch us fight. You know, it's, it's very exciting. It's very, it's, it's impact everyone. Like we, we work hard and we work well together. Um, I'm, I'm rooting for Jared. I really am. I, I, I'm a fan of Jared's. I like watching a fight. Um, and I hope that fight happens between us one day. I think it will be a very big fight. Um, but as for now, I just, I want to see how, I want to see how he rises just as much as I do. You know, I think it's really cool to watch. Yeah. And that's interesting. You point that out because I remember on one recent broadcast on ESPN, Mark Kriegel had said like, you know, top rank is looking to build. It's, the future of its heavyweight division because obviously you have Tyson Fury now, but the future of his heavyweight division around Jared Allen and also Richard Torres. I remember he mentioned that. Um, you hear something like that and you're starting to probably hear more of those conversations as you were saying a little bit here. Does that do anything for you? I don't know if it's reassuring or if it's just sort of like, hey, like that's cool, but like forget it. I need to work harder anyway. It's it's nice to know that people have high expectations of you, but it's also pressure to know that people have high expectations of you. Mm. And, uh, and I take that in stride. I, I think I handle pretty well under pressure. I like it. Um, I think it, it allows me to, to push myself harder. Uh, and at the end of the day, the most pressure I have is from myself is trying to prove what I, what I can actually do to myself. Um, but, uh, I, I take it in strides. I go to my dad, I'm saying, Hey pops, they, they're thinking this, this, and this. My dad, my dad will be the one that says, oh, that's fine. Go back to work. You know, <laughs> like this is what we need to work on right now, though. You know, and, and that's why I, I love having my dad in my corner it's because he'll make sure we go from the big picture to the small picture and because it's the small things are what make the big things happen. And you mentioned that Jared uh, is obviously your friend and that you hope that that fight happens one day. If you can pick a time because, you know, he's a little more advanced in terms of his pro record or whatever the case may be. But if you could pick a time for that fight to happen, ideally, when would that be? Where would that be? For which title? Would it be for all the belts? <laughs> because we I, could be realistically talking about just two, three years down the line. It might it might be soonish, you know? 
it might be. I think that fight has the potential as a mega fight, if I'm being honest with you. I think that the with the trajectories that Top Rank is trying to push Jared and I, and if we follow suit and we just stick to the game plan, I think that that fight can can be something really big. And that might be for all the belts. That might be for just one belt. But whatever it will be, it, it'll be big. And so um, I think right now, in order to make that fight happen, I have to really push myself not only in the boxing scene, but in the, in the media scene as well. You know, I, I'm a firm believer that if we want some of these big fights to happen, people have to know about us. And uh, and so I'm, I'm working hard to, to make sure that happens, too. You know, your dad is such an instrumental figure in your life. And you said, you know, when you go to him, he's like, let's just keep on working. But is there ever a situation where, you know, he's he's like the trainer and he's a little bit hard on you? Like, how do you deal with those type of situations when he's like, Richard, you got to go hot. You got to go harder. Yeah, so my dad is the dean of discipline at high schools, right? And for, for like wow. 13 years, he's the dean of discipline at a continuation school. So anyone that got kicked out of high school, they'd go to him and he'd be the disciplinary. So my dad's very, uh, very inept in, in the whole, in, in that scene. But, uh, you know, it was early on that my dad was very strict on me. Uh, and he would really try to enforce me. I, I would be tired. I'd get up in the morning. My dad would be like, you got to go for a run. I'm like, I don't want to go for a run. He'd be like, well, you have to. And he'd drive, either drive in the truck next to me or he'd, uh, he'd even run with me sometimes. And it wasn't until I was about 14 when that finally switched over. And I was like, hey, Pops, I have to go for a run. You know, and I think I'm, I'm very thankful for that. Because my dad instilled in me at a young age the, um, the routines and the work ethic. And so now I kind of use that to myself. And if my dad tells my dad's almost the one that has to pull back the reins now. He's not the one to tell me to go out and work out. He's like, hey, Keats you need to take a rest day, you know, and uh, I learned it from him. So <laughs> now top rank, the day that you signed with them, take us back to that moment and how that all came about. Man. So we got offers from, from most every promotional company. And I was sitting there thinking, talking to my dad. And I mean, and then we got offers from USA Boxing to try to stay and go to the uh, 2024 as well. You know, people people wanted us to, to stay and go. Um, and I look at my dad, and, I, and I'm starting to ask him all these questions. And I always look to my dad for advice. And this is the one moment where he's like, well, this is, this is up to you. This is your choice. You know, I don't want to sway you in any direction. Like, this, whatever you do, will follow suit. And uh, Top Rings just had such a legacy of building legends. You know, they've had a tradition of, of turning – people in the household names, you know, and not only that, they have ESPN, you know, yeah. <laughs> they have ESPN and they have amazing matchmakers. And I sat there and I thought about it and it, I feel like if I want to be a, a huge name, if I want to be a, a Muhammad Ali, a Manny Pacquiao, a Floyd Mayweather, uh, a Canelo, all those guys started with top rank, you know, and, and, or they've had top rank in them. And I feel like in order to, to be them, I should follow that process. And Top Rank is the best process for me to follow. You talked and about, like, like, and you talked about what separated Top Rank from your other offers. Could you get into, like, what was the recruiting process like? Because, you know, we hear a lot about, like, uh, with football players, for example, because you were a football player and how the recruiting process is. And, you know, there's visits, there's different schools. But for boxing, we don't hear a lot about like, hey, there's top rank at PBC and Matchroom and whoever, you know, going for this heavyweight or whatever the case would be. So what was your process like? Who were you talking to? And just what were the conversations that led you going down the path you eventually chose? Yeah, it's crazy because in, 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 in boxing, it is very weird. You know, not only do you have to 
talk about promotional companies. You have people coming up to be your manager. You have people coming up to be your agent. You have people coming up, hey, take this from me, and I'll only take this much percent. And in boxing, I had no idea what the what the average was. I had no idea what the norm was. I was just straight from, from amateurs. And everyone told me in amateurs, wait, just wait, go to the Olympics, and then it'll come. Now wait, and I'm after the Olympics, and things are coming, but I don't know how to handle, you know? And so uh, what happened was, you just get people to call my dad and people would like someone would reach out they'd, a friend of a friend they'd be like hey who's this guy's manager or oh hey who's who's this guy working with and my dad would be like well me you know like i'm i'm <laughs> i'm the guy that, that we're going with he's my coach he's my manager and uh and then someone from be like hey we're top rank and they're like, wait what and then you don't know if it's really top rank or not and then all of a sudden we're talking to the head honchos and we're like oh okay this really is top rank or we're getting invited out to vegas or 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 we get invited out to fights and people just want to kind of court us a little bit. And uh, finally, you know, we sit down and then I'm sitting next to Bob Barham. And I'm like, whoa. Like, <laughs> I, was like, oh, like, I was really across him. And, uh, and it's, it's incredible to kind of see like the top rank facilities too. You know, you go down there and there's like a vault and in the vault, there's like every top rank uh, video they have, like every top rank fight that, that's been uh, televised. They have it in this vault. So they have all the old ones that never get played anymore. They have all the, like, some really cool, like, just history in there. And it and it's definitely, definitely, like, alluring. You know, you really want to go there. And after kind of they court you a little bit and they'll take you out to a fight, then they'll, they'll sit down and they'll try to get to the brass tacks. And uh, you do your negotiations and then you make a public signing and, and then you're here. You know, it's, it's like... It's like I wish someone would have told me how the process worked too, but uh, going through that was definitely kind of a, a roller coaster of a ride, and um, it was really fun. It's so crazy because you mentioned like you know they brought you out to a fight. What was like the first fight that Top Rank brought you out to? Uh, the first fight Top Rank brought me out to, I think it was the um, the second the second Tyson Fury fight, the second Fury versus Wilder fight, and man, oh my <laughs> goodness. <laughs> And, and like I've, I've gone, I've gone to see from two different promotional companies, uh, two different, uh, two different fights, and they're both the, the Wilder Fury fights. Oh my goodness, they are incredible. They, I mean, they are. When you see, I got chills when Tyson Fury walked out, got out on the throne because yeah. it was all he did was he stood up and put his hands up, and the crowd went insane. It was the most electrifying moment in like boxing that I've, that I witnessed in a while. You know, and I sat there and I was like, I want to, I want to do that. <laughs> you know, I want to, I want to be able to do that. And, uh, and that was top rank. Do yeah. you, do you watch that? And you're just like, it's kind of like inserting yourself in that moment being like, I want to be able to make that sort of grand entrance, put my arms up and everybody's going nuts in the arena. <sighs> I think that I want to be able to command the presence that Tyson Fury does. I'm mm-hmm. not sure if I want to do it in the same manner as him. I think that Tyson Fury is, <laughs> there. is, a, very, is a very electrifying guy, and I think he does some some insane stuff. I love the way uh, Tyson Fury can trash talk, and people will still like him afterwards. I think yeah, that's yeah. really cool. Um, and I want to be able to have people cheer for me like that. I do. I don't know if I want to walk out on the throne, but uh, I think that 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 presence and that atmosphere is something I do live for and something I do want to put myself in. And I want to bring that 
to to my town. I want to bring that to the Central Valley. I want people here to 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 realize that too, because I lived that. I, I learned that a lot of fans or a lot of people with you they live vicariously through the person in there, you know. So I got um, that sensation that Tyson Fury got a little bit of by just being there, you know. So if I could give that to some of the guys in Fresno, if I could give that to some of my teammates, some of the people I used to go to high school with, I I'd, I'd, I'd love to do that. If I ever see you um, on social media saying you want to fight Jared Anderson and saying you want the 70-30 split, I'll know that you got that from Tyson Fury. Because <laughs> 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 I, think, I, I think he did that with Usyk the, uh, the other night saying he wants that 70-30. But um, it's, it's really interesting because, you you know, when you're talking about being recruited and then you thought about all the legends that were a part of top rank, you named like a flurry of legendary boxers. Which ones were the ones that you really looked up to growing up? So growing up from a young age, the the one fighter I always looked up to and I just wanted to be like with my dad. I, I saw yeah. some old VHS tapes of him and I would just try to be like him, you know. Uh, and then kind of going more towards my 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 adolescence, I, w- I would say Pacquiao was because he was a lefty. Yeah. And I was I was really looking at him. I thought he was really cool. And uh, I always played as Andre Ward in Finite Champions, though, just because yeah. he was the gold medalist. And I always wanted to be like him. You know, I, wow. I thought that was really cool, too. So I remember every single time I'll play that campaign mode. And I was going there, I'm like, I'm Andre Ward now, you know? And, uh, yeah. and then uh, one of the main guys I really looked at kind of in high school was Lomachenko. Uh, just, again, two-time gold medalist. The way his foot movement was and uh, the way he kind of just boxed around the ring was was just amazing for me to, to see. Uh, I do take a lot of inspiration from the littler guys. I, I think I, I like that flurry. I like those combinations. And I like their foot movement. I think that they really embrace and show the skill, the true skill of boxing. And uh, in heavyweights, some of us, we, we just, we know we could throw hard and that's all, that's what we put all our eggs in. You know, we put our eggs in that basket, but um, the, those little guys, they know that they won't go down off one, off one shot. And they, uh, so they, they bring that skill behind it. If you could fight anybody and there were, was no boxing politics, when you look ahead to the future, mm-hmm. who would you want to fight? And what would that dream fight for you be? One guy I really want to fight is uh, Joe Joyce. Um, Ooh, I, I think that that would be a really one. good fight. Yeah. Uh, we sparred in um, when I was 17. Uh, he had just gotten the silver medal and I was 17 years old. Uh, There's a little little bad blood in there. Um, and so I'm, I'm, uh, I, I would love to, to see that fight. What, okay, so the bad blood. I mean, we got to stay here for a second. Like, what 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 happened between you and Joe Joyce? Was it a sparring session that went left, or what was it? Uh, it, it didn't go left. The sparring session itself was pretty good. But uh, after the sparring session, I got a couple blows still, you know? So, like, um, uh, the, the ref yelled time. Uh, it was actually Coach K. Coach K yelled time. Uh-huh. And uh, I got hit with three or four shots after the bell. And then someone got a video of that, and they and then Joe Joyce posted it. And, um, oh, so he tried. The, I mean, you felt like he tried the big, big you. Uh, you try to, you know, I'm, little man you a little bit. I wouldn't say that. I, I think that, I think that he might just been being getting content too. I, I don't think I was well known enough at all for him to make a name off anything like that. And True. also, I was a little guy, you know. So I don't yeah. think there was really a reason behind that. And then the post got some backlash because he even posted, he even put on the post when, uh, when the ref yells time, but you have your opponent hurt or something. He said something along those lines. And then uh, and uh, so then he took that post down. And I I don't know him enough to uh, to judge his character or anything like that. And I won't. 
but I know that I have a little uh, harboring feelings from just that one instance, you know? So I'm not going to come and attack his character, but I, I have a little get back to get from that, you know? And so from that, just because of that, I would very much so like that fight in the future. Right. So it's not super personal, but you wouldn't mind seeing him in the ring in the near future. 100%. And I assume you would believe that you would win that fight. Yes. No, I, I think that uh, that would be a very good fight. Um, I, JoJo is a, is a good fighter. And, but that's also two silver medalists going at it. And I think that'd be kind of cool to watch. Sure. Very, very true. All right. So we're at the time of the show where it's called the mandatory maze, Richard. We're going to give you a few questions. Whatever comes first to mind, just answer them. I'm going to go first. Um, what do you like to do outside of boxing when you aren't training? I like to go on hikes. Um, I like to solve Rubik's Cubes. I play guitar. I play chess still. Uh, I like to and I like to learn things. I'm taking classes. Oh, I'm taking dance classes at my local community college. I take philosophy classes at my local community college. And uh, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, live as if you were to die today, learn as if you were to live forever by Gandhi. And I, I really embrace that. What type of dance lessons? Like, are we talking salsa? Like, well, what are we talking here? This so is the go stuff. Yeah, I've done tap dance, I've done uh, ballet, I've done jazz, and currently I'm doing contemporary. So that's probably good in boxing, though. That probably helps right. with your footwork, right? <laughs> yeah, no, it does. It, I, I think it helps a lot. Um, and it's But it's cool because it's kind of like a relaxing thing, and it feels like I almost get away from boxing in a sense yeah. while I work on my footwork and balance. And so it's the best of both worlds, you know? All right, you got to bring that out one night uh, when you walk out to the ring. Yeah. Hit, hit, hit yeah. him with it. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, my first question. Um, I know you mentioned how well conditioned you are, but favorite cheat meal where you really eat like a super heavyweight is what? It is carne asada nachos um, from Sal's restaurant over in uh, in Selma, I think. I think it's Selma. It's Selma or Sanger. But uh, – yeah, I, every time I get off a plane, I go straight to them because <laughs> I live in Slurry, but the uh, airport's in Fresno, and they're right in between. And I've made it a tradition that every time after a win or every time after a tournament, I'll go on and get those nachos. I love that. I love that. All right, so I also saw on social media that you know how to play the acoustic guitar. So, <laughs> so um, you know, what's your favorite song to play, and um, how long you been doing that for? So I've been playing guitar for um I, I mean the first time I picked one up I was I was in sixth grade but if you guys listen to me play it might sound like I've been playing for six months you know so uh <laughs> like I, I I go to I learned from YouTube um and I, I'd say my my favorite song to play is actually Can't Fall in Love by Elvis uh either that or Hallelujah um just because it reminds me of Shrek and uh, <laughs> and as well as a good play I sing a hundred times worse. I cannot carry a note or a tune to save my life. Um, and I used to joke around with people saying, why, why do you box? It's because I can't sing or dance. But I'm taking classes to, do, to try to pick some of them. So, No, you're a man of many talents. That's pretty cool. I saw. I heard you singing too. Not, not too bad. Just got to work on those high, high notes. You know, you got to hit yeah, those yeah. high notes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I got to hold my ear. You know, that's the... <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've uh, heard about your mustache. Yeah. I wanted to ask, what's the biggest misconception about mustaches? Because I feel like they get a bad, uh, a bad rep now as opposed to in the 80s and 90s when it was a more popular. I'm going to say that the most misconceptions are actually true. People will think that you're a cop. <laughs> people, will think that, <laughs> people will think that you're from the 80s. People will uh, <laughs> joke around about it. Uh, there, there are a lot of those. Yeah, people will people, people joke with you. Um, but I like it. You know, I think it looks cool. Um, 
you know, I could I could tell people that I wasn't copping the eighties or um oh and um <laughs> I don't wanna say um you older could curse. like it a lot. And they they, oh. they always remind me they're like, Oh my gosh, they're they're you look just like my husband did when he was in the eighties. Like, yeah, yeah. So I was like, All right, cool, thank you guys. <laughs> did, did your pops have one back in the day? Like did did he ever have one? My dad always had the goatee. You know that boxer okay. goatee that yeah. all the coaches usually have? My dad yeah. had that one too. And I used to have a goatee as well because I always wanted to be like my dad. But then one day uh, I, I turned it into the Macho Mike mustache. That's what I call it. And uh, we just go from there. Would you no, ever I do re- a beard? Would you ever do a beard? I've tried it, but I'm patchy. I'm, oh, I'm, I'm patchy. Exactly. And my, my hair grows in different directions. And and then uh, every time I shave, I get those razor bones real bad. Oh. And so like I'll let it grow out until the fight time. And then I'll shave it again. And I, I kind of like it because in the amateurs, I had to, I had to shave, you had to shave everything, yeah. right? And it almost made me a little angry because I had to shave off my goatee and I, I worked so hard for it. Um, but it kind of, it, it's almost like a, a preparation for, for a fight time now, you know? It's yeah. funny because I, I remember like watching the Olympics and, you know, you had like short hair, you didn't have the stash going on. And then I remember seeing you on top ring and I'm like, whoa, what happened to Richard Torres? Like he looks totally different right now. Do you feel like, like a big part of your personality is being shown a lot more than it was before as well. Yeah. I, I think that I'm finally able to push my media. Uh, I, I finally got that mindset of like, Oh, it's just consistency, you know? Right. Um, but also have you ever seen those videos where it's like before COVID after COVID? Yeah. yeah that might've been what happened in the Olympics too. It was like before <laughs> COVID I was clean cut after COVID. It's like, it's wild now. Um, I think that, uh, but I think that the mustache and the curly hair, it kind of helps me create a, a face that people will recognize too. You know, like I'll go out and people will notice me from the back of my head, actually. <laughs> like I've had that happen a couple of times. They're like, oh, that's that curly hair dude. And I'll be recognized as that guy or the guy with the mustache. And uh, it's kind of cool, honestly. Okay, off that, who are the celebrities that people have mistaken you for in public? <laughs> I've gotten uh, Joe Jonas before. Um, <laughs> I yeah, can see yeah. that. I can see that. Yeah. Appreciate that. I got um, <laughs> uh, Ben Askren a couple of times. Oh, in, in shit. Wow. Uh, and then um, what's that? Uh, Danny McBride? Yes. Have you I seen that one? Like. He's, yeah. he's on uh, that. I, a top ring girl actually called me Danny McBride. And <laughs> I got a little hurt. I got I got my feelings hurt, honestly. <laughs> like, uh, and then and then one of her friends is like, no, don't do that to him. And she goes, no, like a, like a, like a, a cute version. <laughs> And so I don't know if that made it any better, you know, like, uh, but yeah, so, so Danny McBride, he's, he's a funny dude. So I'll give him that. So I might be a funny guy, uh, but Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta roll with some of those shots. Okay. So I need to know, is your favorite song to train to Cascadia every time we touch? Because I saw that on your social media. So is that, is that your favorite song to train to? That's one of them. You know, I, yeah. I think it's kind of cool, but I really do. Like, at the Olympic Training Center, when I was with all the guys and everyone would play, you know, usually it's hip-hop or, or rap or something like that. i come in and i put my playlist on before anyone could get to the gym, and it'd be, it'd be uh, Disney Channel Classics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. And then, like, and then some of the guys would get in too late to be able to change it. And so we would warm up to, like, Hannah Montana. And the, no. like, the embarrassment that would come on the guys' faces when, like, a tour group would walk in and we're playing Hannah Montana – it's the best thing ever. Oh my gosh, I used to love it every single time. But I do. I like those songs, and then um, I actually work out to slower tempo music, and I like to double that tempo. You know, and it kind of makes me feel like I'm in a like a um, a movie montage. You know, where it's the <laughs> it's the phase where he's training really hard, but it's like to a slower song, and I, I like it a lot. 
Okay, my last maze question is actually going to be off this one too. Uh, the funniest story around your time uh, with your Olympic teammates specifically. One that you're allowed to tell, because I imagine there's probably a few that I'm not sure you could actually say in public. <laughs> yeah, yeah, what happens at the OTC stands at the OTC a couple of times. Jeez, <laughs> um, man, the funniest story from the OTC. I don't, I don't know if there's a funniest one I could think of on the top of my head. I mean, we've had so many crazy experiences through the OTC. Uh, I think some of the funniest times we've had, though, is joking about Shushu um, not being a real vegan. Oh. <laughs> well, wait, is, he, is he like a vegetarian, not a vegan? Like that's no, he's a, vegan. he's a true vegan. But every time we come in there and Shushu, it's an ongoing joke. Every single time we see Shushu and he has food on it, like, oh, that's steak. You know, we're like, ah, oh, <laughs> nah, like, what do you eat in there? And he's like, bro, it's tofu. We're like, mm. And then, like every time we post on it, like I told Shushu after his fight in New York, I was like, I'll take you out for a steak. And at first he'll get all happy and he'll remember, like, he'll get all mad. <laughs> like, like just mess it. Just it's just that kind of camaraderie where we just joke around with each other, you know. And uh, you got you got to love it, you know, because we went through COVID together, and in some of those times you, we couldn't leave the hotel, we couldn't leave our rooms, and so you'd be stuck with the guy for like three weeks straight. And so you either have to learn to love him, or you have to learn, or you got to get out of there, you know. And we all learn to love each other at the, the OTC. I, I call almost all of my brothers now, and uh, and it's 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 amazing that we're all in top rank too. Shushu, yeah. by the way, for our casual <laughs> listeners, that is Bruce Carrington, also a top-ranked prospect. Chantel, go ahead. Take us on. Oh, no, I was just going to say, um, I remember when they announced the U.S. Olympic team for boxing. And I, re I remember being like, whoa, like, they got some killers on this team. And then I looked at Canada, and I was like, damn, man. <laughs> like, Because like, right, I'm Canadian, so I was like, damn, man, like, this, this is going to be, like, a crazy team. All right, so my final question for you is, you, you talked about Bob Arum, like, the first time you saw him. You're like, whoa, but... What was that like, oh, damn moment when you saw like one of your favorite boxers and who was that boxer? I, um, hmm. I saw Lennox Lewis as a, he's an announcer now. He was an announcer. He was announcing a fight. Yeah. But he came up to me and he gave me a fist bump and said, what's up, Richard? Good job. And I went, oh, my. I looked at my dad. I was like, "Oh my gosh!" I was like, "That that was." And my dad's like, "Yeah." And I was like, "It just <laughs> blew my mind," you know. And then not only that, but you know who else starstruck me actually it was Max Kellerman. Yeah, really? those guys like and like you you don't you don't you don't really like you don't think about it. But then when I go to those fight interviews and I see all the reporters, I see Tim Bradley, I see Andre Ward, I see all those guys. I'm like, oh my gosh! It's like those are the people I listened to growing up, you know? Like, like yeah. that, it's insane to me, and I still get kind of starstruck, you know? I, I, and I prepare, I prepare every single time for for my pre-fight interviews. I think to myself, like, all right, what can they ask me? What can I say to this? Almost like a line of chess, and I'm like, all right, if they do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, and this, you know? And so, like, the, a lot of people that that starstruck me, that starstruck me, aren't even the fighters, man. They're they're the people that have kind of solidified themselves, and uh, they're they're just kind of giving back to the boxing community. Awesome. Well, Richard, thank you so much for rocking with us for like 40 minutes. We really appreciate it. Also, you talked about your merch earlier. When can we get our hands on that? And uh, when do you think we'll be seeing some of uh, the products online? So we'll, we'll be having some shirts at the fights. Um, and hopefully we will be able to have the online stores set up by March. I'm going to say 17th. Uh, well, we'll, we'll try to get that out there. I'm still working a little bit of the logo of logistics out. Um, but once I get that cleared, then 
we're, we're all set to go. So hopefully within the next week or March 17th, we'll have shirts. And you're you're on a good card coming up too. That March 25th card. Oh, yeah. Insane, right? yeah. Looking forward to that with Jose Ramirez and Issa Estrada. Yes. Have they, are you gonna be on ESPN Plus again? Uh I'm on the main card. So I'm I'm the last, I'm the first on the main card. Oh, let's go. <laughs> Nice. We're definitely looking forward to to it. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. And also make sure to definitely support Richard. Buy those T-shirts. I know I'm going to cop one. Looking forward to seeing your logo as well. Thank you so much for rocking with us, Richard. And good luck on your fight. And hopefully we'll be able to catch up with you again sometime soon. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Absolutely.